a cyclist by the name of Rion Nolan. Now, Rion's established himself as one of the best domestic cyclists in the country at about the age of 33, but for much of his life, he was in and out of juvenile um, facilities, and he spent a large part of his 20s in jail. He was a serious offender, but ultimately through cycling, uh, through the support of um, various people, he's basically turned his life around. So without further ado, big special warm welcome to somebody I've got huge admiration for. Probably didn't have a lot of admiration when he was at the uh, at his worst back in his day, but I'd like to welcome Rion Nolan. Awesome. Great Good to, to have here. you here. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me. I genuinely mean that. A very inspiring story, yours. Awesome. Growing up, you grew up in a what a a, a pretty rough family. Um, yeah, pretty rough. Uh, it was normal though. You it was know normal I mean? for you. Yeah, it was you didn't know for me. any different. Nah, it was normal for us. Describe what family life was like. A lot of bad stuff happening, but was but was normal. You know, like just the normal drinking, drugging, um, more drinking, drugging, um, and like like I said, like you know, it was just normal kind of thing. And then the the main thing that I remember is that my dad got killed. You know, when I was like, I think I was like 12 or 13. Murdered. Yeah, he got murdered, yeah. And um, that was, that's, I always take it back to that, you know, like, um, and when I got that, when I heard that phone call, when I was, you know, in my bed and I heard mum screaming on the phone saying, don't effing ring back here, don't tell me this stuff, you know, and not, not that language, but other language. Um, you know, I just put my blankets over my head and I didn't want to be a part of anything anymore, you know, and um, I, I just tried to go back to sleep and wake up and then I didn't want that to be true. Um, and then reality was it, it was real. Was there an expectation on you at school to to be anything academically? I mean, what what was your expectation from you from your parents on you and your brothers growing up? Um, I know my mum and dad loved me hard, but um, I, I just can't remember like what school life. I, I reckon I was just like I was trouble. You know what I mean? And I, I was never like disciplined or anything like that. Did you know the difference between right and wrong? Uh I knew the difference between being cool and being not cool, you know, and fitting in with the cool kids and not fitting in with the cool kids, and how it felt not to be, and always wanting to be a part of something to make that made me felt good. Um, and this was before um, my father passed away, you know. So I was always trying to like make people look at me or um, be involved with stuff that gave me feelings that you know that lifted my spirits and you know that kind of thing. What age did you start drinking and doing drugs? Oh mate, I, I remember straight away that uh, as soon as as soon as all that happened with my father, within weeks, um, I started hanging out with the cool cool kids, my older brothers, um, my older my older brothers' mates, and then it was pretty much you know that's when I first did, did my first house burglary, um, and I remember vividly what happened. I was straight to the alcohol cabinet and I stole Johnny Walker red label, <clears throat> and then a lot of other bottles as well, and then we just went back down to Bromley School and Bromley there and started sculling it back um, and I was I just wanted to be cool in front of those guys and I remember drinking like sculling it and I was like this is alright this is alright they were saying don't drink it don't drink it and then I kind of just blacked out and then you know I liked that camaraderie and, and you got like, the kudos for doing that yeah, oh, that young kids yeah, yeah, are cool, cool, sure. cool Blake your, brother, your brother's yeah, pretty cool yeah yeah like that and then I just want, I just wanted to be part of that because I, I felt so um, so bad inside you know, I felt alone, lost. You know, where am I going? You know, I didn't. I'm pretty sure I stopped going to school basically from then on. Like I went back and forth, back and forth, one day here, one day here, and stuff. You know, was your dad a criminal? Um, 
Yeah, he was. Like, back in the day, he was. Like, if you can imagine my dad, um, top bloke, you know? Yeah. He, he loved all the kids' heart out and stuff like that. And if you want to, like image of him he's like fully tattooed from his head to his toe just not his face but behind his ears his neck uh, everywhere was um motorbikes motorbikes more motorbikes um and like i still don't know his story you know what i mean but i know that he changed his life around you know maybe 80 percent so he's still into drinking and drugging quite full on but he'd stopped doing crime uh but still into uh, you know a, a lot of other stuff with chemicals and selling chemicals chemicals to people and they were doing stuff with that and like big deals kind of thing you know but just not the old street stuff what age was the first time you were arrested oh mate uh i'm pretty sure that was like that's a long long story there because my my dad as soon as it happened with my dad i was lost you know i even lost more and i wanted to hang out my brother's mates so and they were doing burglaries and crime and smashing grabs in town and they're robbing every, everything and everything just to get just to get money and so I wanted to be with them and because I never wanted to go home because it just reminded me of no dad um, you know that kind of thing I was always looking for some other family and I got involved with the, with this family who had a mum and dad um, they had a nice house um, they had two kids and then they were like the the badass people, you know what I mean? And then they were, they had like 10 to 15 kids right, doing crime for them daily, and I wanted to be one of those 10 to 15 kids in this little gang. So it's like making the team. You're like hoping to get selected for this representative Mate, yeah, street yeah, gang. Yeah, for sure, hard. Yeah, and I was keen as to do it. I was keen to do anything. And I had a, um, a 10 or 11-year-old son um, who he was doing crime as well, and then so I, I linked up with him, and I was a little bit old. I was like 13 or something like that, you know? And then straight up, that that's, it just went on from there. Started robbing houses. He was telling us how to rob a house, how to get in the window, what to get, what houses to do, rob the Asian people, rob the American people, get the jewellery, get the cash straight away. Or if it's like a, a building or factory, you know, this is what we want in the factory. We want the laptops. We want the TVs. We want this. We want that. We want all the couches out. Here's the truck. You know what I mean? And then... Mate, I thought I was a bloody movie star. So when you came home and you'd achieved it, you set your goal, yep, we're going to go and break into this American or this Asian house. We've, we've done everything asked of us. What, did you come back and have a wee party? Did you celebrate? It was like a high five. Hey, guys, you've just won your Olympics. Pretty, he made like, yeah, he made me feel pretty good, eh? Like, Pat, he, like they became my family. They had meals there, you know, and I sat down at a dinner table and I, I felt a part of something, you know, because I, I lost something and, you know, I was, I was, I was straight away searching for it. Um, and then it just got bigger and bigger and bigger, you know what I mean, until my first arrest, which was with uh, that, that father figure's son. We got we got arrested in Mount Pleasant. I think it was Mount Pleasant. And, we, and then... Did you get caught breaking and entering, or was it after the fact? We got... The house got surrounded. And the wire got surrounded. I'm pretty sure they had, like, a little task force on... Because they didn't know who was doing with these burglaries on a daily basis. And I'm not talking one or two. It was full gas... That was our job. Like you go to this was a franchise, pretty much. You know yeah. what I mean? It was just normal. Um, and then the house got surrounded, and we got got. And um, I remember sitting in Littleton Police Station, and then I think they were realising, holy hell, we've just found out who's been doing all these offences. You know? And I, I was terrified. You know, I, I, I was, I was like, oh no, what's going to happen in that? And I remember that guy, the father figure, walking in, and I was sitting, I was handcuffed with the little his son. And he just pointed at me. He goes, "This is." He swore at me. This is a little person that's been doing, getting my son into trouble, and it's all him. And he's the older one. And I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hold on!" I was like, "What's just happened here?" You know. And I so he was putting it all on me when you pay me to do this. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I was shocked. I, I was. Did shocked. you say anything? 
No, because I didn't want to knock, because I got told and taught not to do that. You know what I mean? And then he, the person who's teaching me that, was the one telling me off in front of the police. Like, he was on the yeah. w- standing next to the police telling me off. And um, I was very confused. I was like, oh, is this some sort of plan that he's got with the police working? Is he paying them? You know what I mean? And um, no, no, he was just trying to get away with his own thing, and he's worried about being snitched on himself. When did you first go to jail? Mate, that was bad. Because, <laughs> um, like, before the jail, I, I was 16, I think, 16 when I went there. Um, but before all that, I went to the baby jails. You know, and that, that was the issue from there. Like, I got put in Kingsley. Like, I think, I remember being in that Littleton police station and then they transferred me to, over to, um, over to, over Central. And they were coming knocking on my cell, like, we've got 10 more burglaries. Oh, we've got 8 more burglaries. And I'm pretty sure it went up to, like, 80 plus burglaries. You know, like, by the, and that, that's what I got charged with. And so, obviously, they found out who was doing all that. Um, and that, that guy and that whole family and all the people ended up getting shut down. Um, you know, and, and they, so that whole operation shut down. But um, I ended up, yeah, I think I got a 311. Um, and I, I was scared as hell. What's a 311? Um, it's like, it's just three months in Kingsley, boys' home, which is just a baby jail. Um, it's, it, to be honest, it's harder than jail because you're not allowed any TV. You're not allowed, uh, you're not allowed to smoke back then, you know what I mean? So I, it, was, it was pretty bad, actually. But um, I ended up in the secure unit. Um, they had bulletproof windows. There was, it was where, like, um, the security unit was where they put all the, like, young offenders who have murdered, you know, are not old enough to go to prison. You know, so they're just waiting, you know, year by year until they turn 16 and then they, they ship them off to prison. So I was in there with these guys and I was like, oh, I'm pretty scared, to be honest. You know, I got strip searched. Um, you know, and the staff there were, um, there were half the staff were, I'd say 10% of the staff are very nice people and doing a very good job. And then there was some very seedy, dodgy staff. You know, that's where I've been to Kingsley probably five times for four or five different free 11s, you know. Um, And that's, you know, I got uh, used and abused by a staff member there. He, like, met me in there. He read all my files, tried to be a father figure to me again, Um, grooming me, buying me presents, buying me shoes, giving me lollies, putting me on good jobs. You know, he was always on the kitchen, so he'd get me on kitchen duty when he was on roster. So... You know, like that kind of thing. Then he would, like, try and play fight with me. He'd, like, give me smokes. He'd give me drugs. And then um, he'd, 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 like, try and search me for the drugs. Oh, I'm going to narc on you if you don't, you know, like, like that kind of thing. Um, and every time I got out of the boys' home, um, he'd always come pick me up and meet me and, like, get me a job. And then, you know, and to me at the start, this guy was my father figure again. You know what I mean? Um, and then... And then, you know, then he, he got us all drunk, me and about 15 other kids that worked at a show in a place in Christchurch. And um, and then he tried to touch my mate up, and then he come over and t- tried to touch me up, you know what I mean? And and I I was too scared to say something, because he was my father. Hmm. You, you know, that's how I seen him. Um, I, I was like 16, 17, and I was just like, yet again. Like, this Set guy's... down by significant adults in your life. Yeah, you know, like, and um, and he's paid by the government to look after me. You know, that kind of thing. Hmm. And then I, I, I was... You know, I felt sick inside, and it just built my hatred. So at that point, though, did you actually believe there was any good in the world? Did you, I mean, you supposedly meant to believe that these people on the outside lived this life on the straight and narrow, yeah. and, but you're finding out pretty quickly, well, hang on a minute, if this is the straight and narrow, what's the difference between me and them? Mate, that's what, that's what I mean. I was very confused. Like, I was very, very confused, and um, I was too scared to say anything to them. Did you have any interest in sport? As a teenager and through those times, I remember back in the day, my dad used to pick, take me to rugby league training, like like under eights, uh, under nines, that kind of thing. And I and I I remember being real scared playing it, but I like I remember liking the sport, you know. Um, and then 
it shut down straight after that. And it's only until I went to, like, Kingsley, I was playing basketball, volleyball. Um, the, the church people would come and play volleyball with us. And I, that's where I got my first little glimpse of how cool it is to play sport, um, uh, like touch rugby, stuff like that. That was my first little taste, but it got shut down. As soon as I got out of any place... 17 years of age in jail, big-time jail. Mate, that was pretty scary. Addington Prison, I got, I got 12 months... Um, Mate, crazy story this one if you want to hear it. Um, so I was going up on, uh, I think, possession of supply ABC Class A drugs, um, four escape custodies from police, uh, a couple of burglaries and common assaults, um, and there was about it. I was 16 or 17 roughly then. I was in Addington on remand for three months, and I, I was going to get sentenced. So you leave Addington Prison in this paddy wagon. Um, and long story short, I got out of the paddy wagon uh, going to get sentenced with a shoelace. Two shoelaces tied together. We got out of the back of the paddy wagon at Higley Park. I got charged for it. Got the doors open. Um, by putting the shoelace, they forgot to lock the bar in these two cages, you know. Um, dropped the shoelace through the little bar. The little, they've got these little square things that you just drop it down. Hooked it up and popped it open. There's only alarm on the outside door. And then at the red lights when we went to turn left, just booted the doors open. There's like five or six of us done the jet straight away. Um, I got snapped. I got. I was running past the hospital. I was like, I'm out. I'm free. I was wearing jail clothes. I was bolting down the footpath. This guy with went across the river, went into Hagley Park, and this off-duty police officer was getting off his motorbike to go to work at the hospital. He had his helmet on. He had his, had his uniform underneath, but he had his levers on. And he just he looked at me, and I thought, Sh- should I move to the left or right? And then he just looked down with his bike, and then he waited till I was like right next to him, and he did the mean leg tackle, like the Sonny Bill Williams knocked me out, and then just held me down. Um, you know, put me under arrest, and then by that time, all the cops had from the paddy wagon, you know. But I got I got sniped anyway. So I go to court, get sentenced, and I got 12 months. And I was like, that's not bad because I've already, you know, if you get under 12 months, if you get under 18, you only do half. So I only had to do another three months. So Addington Prison, my first time, they, they were processing me and stuff like that, mate, I was so scared. Because it's not kids' home anymore, it's men. You know what I mean? I remember being put into the, I got processed and stuff like that, strip searched again. I was used to that by that stage after years in the, in the boys' homes. But, um, mate, they put me in the, the, the holding the holding pen with full-gas men with tattoos everywhere. And I remember this guy was in there, um, oh, his name's Ace, a big-ass mouldy moldy dude. And uh, he was in the toilet with this other guy, just smashing him over. He owed him some gambling money and stuff. And, mate, I sat there. And I was I was terrified straight, but I was trying to act like I wasn't. I had the mean ass shoes on. I was a staunch fella. I was trying to fit in, but inside, mate, I was internally terrified. Then across from me with this with this white guy, staunch as, uh, name was Joel, like quite a full on guy. Um, he was involved with a gang here anyway. And they opened up the the prison officer opened up the the gate, and there was this other white guy from another gang. The prison officer shut the door. As soon as he locked that key, these two latched onto each other. And I swear, like, you know, the UFC fighting, these guys were doing that with, with no rules. Um, I think Joel bit this guy's ear off, you know, full gas, like no no one to stop it, no rules. And I was sitting there going, oh, my God, please. So you're in jail at 17. You've seen all of this. So yeah. you, you, the immediate thoughts, man, I've got to get out of this life, or was the immediate thought, right, I've got to get into the prison, Jimmy, and yeah. harden up a little bit more and get a little uh, bit tougher. Yeah. Wh- which one was it? Uh, I just wanted, I wanted to be a part of it. I wanted to the guy that got the upper hand, Joel. I wanted to be his mate. You know what I mean? Because he was he was ferocious. You know what I mean? And I seen the way all the other inmates acted around him. You know what I mean? So 
I just, it would just again, he was another figure that I wanted to be because I didn't want to be myself. Did you have, at 17, 18, did you have a goal? Did you want to be New Zealand's uh, leading underworld figure? I mean, did you have a goal at 17? Did you know where you wanted to be in 10 years' time? No, I just wanted, heap, I just, I, honestly, I just wanted heaps of money. Because money made me feel good. You know, it made me What do you do with the money that you did end up stealing, that you ended up manipulating, that you got through selling drugs? Um, it's just a, it's just a revolving door. It just fuels a lifestyle. Like every day is a Friday, Saturday night, every day. You know, and you, you're, you're just putting your body through hell every day. Partying every day, drugs every day, drinking every day, hurting every day. Normal. Mark Watson, The Night Train, Radio Sports. One of New Zealand's best cyclists is my guest. His name is Rion Nolan. What makes his story so remarkable is that for much of his life, he was in and out of jail. He was a hardened criminal, but he turned his life around through the sport of cycling. The sport of cycling, had you ever seen it? Had you ever followed it? Did you know anything about it? Uh, the only reason why I'd notice it, if I opened up your garage and I'd seen some bikes, I'd steal them. You know what I mean? Because I knew they were worth a bit of cash. <laughs> so you weren't aware of New Zealand uh, cycling history? You weren't nah. aware of guys like Mark Randell in 1994 of Victoria? Nah. or Never. Nothing like that. Nothing like that nah. at all? No understanding of who's who's done good or anything like that or what it took or what it takes kind of thing? Nothing whatsoever. So when did you first have an opportunity to get on a bike and, you know, the first taste of, I guess, road cycling? Um, started on a mountain bike at my at Salisbury Street. We did a charity ride from uh, Queenstown to Christchurch to raise money for victim support with uh, the the dudes at my work, the residents. Um, we did like 100 k's a day on mountain bikes, and these guys did like maybe three or four weeks training. Um, That's a long way, 100 k a day for people who have never ridden mate, bikes. I know, and there was a lot of on long, mountain bikes. I know, too. I know, it's crazy. It's cr- now, wobbly tires, mate. Lo- looking back now, it's crazy. Like it was torture for them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but the motto of the trip was, "It's not about us." about the victims who we've you know taken from for all of our lives and this was good for the guys you know um but we made it and i tell you what i felt so good on the bike in the sun um we had a tailwind the whole way pretty much and uh, it's a bit soft yeah i know it's weak but like you know uh but you know getting to the end and giving the check to victim support and seeing the guys hand the big check over in that you know it was amazing feeling and then I, i started going up in the hills and uh i remember this old guy overtook me on a on a road bike and it, he goes, jump on, and I tried to jump on, and he was gone, you know, and I was on this mountain bike. So I sold I sold the mountain bike, which I paid $1,800 for, and Rebecca was, she was, $1,800 for a bike, are you serious? And then I was like, oh, I need to get a road What's bike. What's your relationship with Rebecca at this point? Uh, we were together for my whole life yeah. um, because of my selfishness and self-centeredness yeah. um, and not wanting to really work on my insides. I, 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 I left yeah. um, poorly, and, um, and now I'm back with Rebecca after, like, maybe two years, I think, yeah. and still trying to work on it, you know. Yeah. And and seeing where it takes us, yeah. so that's that's the goal anyway. Okay, so you've sold the mountain bike, you got the road bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, got that, and I was like, holy hell! I, my first ride, I ride rode out to Gibby's Pass. I went down Gibby's Pass, and I, I'm not a very good descender still, but I went down. I was like, man, I'm going straight back up, and I'm going to go down faster. And then went off the side of the cliff, mate. Snapped my forks, my helmet, my glasses, and I I landed in a bush, and um and I loved it. I was like, holy, how do I not die? But, oh, my God, you know, like, it was an amazing feeling kind of thing. And then um, I got picked up and stuff like that. My seat snapped off, and it was quite awkward. But um, then that's where it started. I, I got the bike fixed, and I started riding my bike. I got, I, I was riding out Montecarrao way. This bunch came past me. Uh, it was called, I think it was, it was called the Mebury Ride. Now, this is the defining moment of my whole cycling, I, I kid you not. A bunch of, like, eight or nine guys, um... Maybe one or two ladies as well, 
and uh, they said some they said something like jump on the back or whatever, and I didn't understand that. I, I thought I mean piss off kind of thing, you know. I don't want to, you know. So and this lady goes jump on the back. So I came with them, and then I started watching how they were ro- rotating Rolling around through. and yep. um, you know talking and and then so they invited me back. Don, this guy Don invited me back um, to meet them at ten o'clock at Mebury over in Fendalton there, and and I was so terrified that next Wednesday to turn up. Because I was like, are they going to set me? Like, do they know who I am, what I've done? These these were normal people, you know what I mean? For about probably two months, I rode with them, and they, they um, got my number. They texted me if the ride was changing. I did my first 150 gorgeous ride with them. Turned up with one bottle of water and, like, a banana. I bonked hard on it. They were giving me food lollies. And you know what? I, I did my first 150K ride with them, and I, I felt like a million bucks. You know what I mean? They slowly got to know me, um, and... I was scared if I said who I was, they'd like, oh, see you later. They didn't care. They they wanted to know me more and help me and support me. And because I started getting, they, these guys were wasting me. They were like 45 plus easy, you know, years of age. They were kicking my butt. And I was like, what the hell? Pretty impressed, you know? Uh, hard asses, criminals, uh, youth offenders. They don't shave their legs, do they? No, 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 mate, no, mate. There's none of that going on. <laughs> but I'm cleanly shaven today, I can tell you much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when did you decide perhaps you wanted to just, was it just a natural evolution to start trying to take it more seriously? Oh, those guys said to me you should race. The guy Graham Nutridge, who is a very, uh, like a role model in my life, like, he said, you should you, you should come race. So he come pick me up. He met me for the race, um, come to my house, um, Put the race numbers on, and you know, I was like fizzing. And uh, we biked to the race because he knew I was scared. Um, we done the race, and I was like, "Holy hell, this is so awesome!" You know. Then I did festival cycling twice, got my butt kicked. You know, and then Graham was like, "You need to get a coach. You need to get a coach." And you know, still doing the every ride every Wednesday, and that was my race. You know, that, I was trying to beat them. They were, like, they were wasting me. I beat the forty-five-year-old yeah. woman today. I didn't yeah, yeah, get yeah. checked. No, no, that's that's true. <laughs> that's how it was, mate. And like that became like. That was my race every week, and like I was some no straight up, I couldn't sleep the night before. I was that excited to be with normal people doing a sport. I I, I couldn't believe it. Were you riding in between? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure, hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I addicted instantly. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I was like, this was your new addiction. Yeah, for sure. That's just that's the reality of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, because it made me feel good. It made me feel free. You know what I mean? I started meeting people. The hardest thing for me were when I was with people. They'd be like, oh, we'll stop for a coffee after three hours or two hours, and I was like. That's the issue for me. I had to take my helmet off and sit down and talk normally, and th- and I'll be like, no, straight up for the first year, I'll be like, oh no, I've got to go, I've got to go to work, I've got to be somewhere. I'd keep writing because I was too scared to like. You didn't have the social skills. Yeah, that's it basically. So my self-esteem was so low, and I, you know, like I, I didn't feel a part of. But as soon as you put the helmet on and the glasses and the, and you're talking on the bike, all good, hundred percent, and riding, doing something. But sit down, take the helmet off, and get to know the real round. I don't know how to do that. You know, I didn't know how to do that. Um, and that's something that I still work on today. You know what I mean? But then Graham got me, he said, you need to get this coach. And um, so he got me my first coach, um, Hamish Ferguson. He's a pretty cool man and um, trained me pretty full on. He, he was very, he works a lot with the youth and does, and um, he was an awesome coach. Um, and then I I just started like racing, you know, like C grade, B grade and like getting my butt kicked. Like these little kids and old guys were just wasting me. I didn't I, I didn't understand like these guys were going off the front, these people going at the back, these people like I didn't know like what to wear, how to sit, what to eat, like nothing. I was like a you know I was trying my hardest and that's what I was to try. And, and yeah. suffering too. Yeah, for sure. Did you did you did you handle the hurt? I mean that's a tough sport. Uh, I, I mean you you know uh, Graham Miller, the great cyclist, said to me that you know in those criterions particularly, he gave me the great line. You know, you're breathing through your eyelids at points. You're just searching yeah, yeah. for anywhere to try and get the oxygen in. Yeah, yeah, I, I understand that now, but back then I didn't understand or know what to do or anything. Um, and as I kind of like, um, 
you know, did more racing. Like to be honest, the suffering I'm down with. I, I to be honest, because I, I know what happens if you do stuff, you can get a result, and the result is like the most amazing feeling that you, you know is pure. I don't know what it is, but it's 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 an amazing feeling. So like, but back then I didn't know that you had to suffer during the week or during the months or six months to try and get mm. a result, kind of thing. Um, and that that fine line of like training intensely and stuff. I don't understand any of that. And of course, cadence, the number of time you turn the yeah, pedals and all those sort of things, yeah, naturally sure. leaning on the bigger gears initially, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and then like, I just keep racing and racing and racing and like, that my, I think, to be honest, my main problem was cycling made me feel so good, I wanted to do it every day. You know what I mean? And then so I was working like three days a week and my works supported me as well and kind of like sponsored me. Which and, was, and you were working where at the point? Uh, at Salisbury Street at Foundation. Salisbury Street Foundation. Yep. So yep. giving back? Yep. Yeah, yeah, trying to. Um, and then I would straight up, I'll be doing four or five rides every day. One, because it made me feel damn good. Two, because I like being up in hills and friend looking at looking at the prison, what direction yeah. that is. Wishing people from that life could just be with me see, here. See what you're seeing. Yeah. yeah like, you're listening to News Talk ZB. This is the Spotlight Hour. My guest is Rion Nolan, a man who would spend much of his life in jail. He was a serious criminal. He's turned his life around through the sport of cycling. He's now one of New Zealand's best domestic cyclists. Rion, tell us about your first serious competition, the Canterbury Championships back in 2011, where I think you may have finished last. Like that there was that was my Olympics straight up. I was like, oh my god, it's a Grand Canterbury Championships, you know, like eating and doing the tyres and dressing and like nervous as and not sleeping the night before and that. And then um, lasted a little bit and then got you know got dropped hard. Uh, but and you know I was I, my pride was hurt pretty because I was training quite hard out and stuff like that. But like these guys are hard out athletes. These guys are machines. You know what I mean? Like they can they can you know they're phenomenal. What was was your definition of hard starting to change i mean growing up as a teenager hard with the mates you hung out with the toughest guy on the street the guy who had the biggest balls to go and you know yeah. do a burglary and suddenly hard is that ability to go to that dark place and stay there on a bike and suffer like you cannot imagine yeah full on like the people i look up to now is they're like i said the young kids training hard and they've got a like a positive goal in their life and they're working towards it and they train hard you know what i mean like i can't believe like how does a 16 year 7 year old kid beat me when i'm a man you know what I mean? Like, where I've been, like... Knows no names, eh? No, I was blown away. I was like, how does this, like, 50-year-old kick my butt? I don't understand it. Like, and that's a bit I respected, you know? Like, I respect people that work hard to get somewhere, and they've worked hard not just for a week, they've worked hard over the years, or they work, you know what I mean? Um, that's what I love, and that's why I respect. And, and, I, and I was like, okay, listen to my coach. All i got to do is train hard. Going through the tough times on the bike, though, when you are suffering and you've got the glycogen depletion going on or you're having to take that turn under the headwind, do you draw upon your past going, hey, I mean, this is tough, man, but boy, I've had some tough times in my life. I lost my dad. He was murdered when I was 13. I've sat inside prison cells. I've probably been beaten up. I've been, you know, um, molested, etc. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not back then, but now Hayden is. like That's why he works with me. Like, Hayden Ralston. Yeah, with my head. Like, my self-esteem, my, my, my self-worth, my self-belief. Talking to myself in the races. I remember in that stage in South that you're talking about before, and we'll touch on that shortly. Yep, go on. Please do because it was amazing. Nice to hear you say that. It is. It's nice to hear you say that. Yeah, for me it was though. Like that there is yeah. like for me. I was that that whole stage, mate, was so so hard. Like or at the start, like I was at the back. Like at the start, it was over 50 k's an hour for the first like 50 k's. It was unbelievable, and it wasn't flat. It was rolling hills. These guys are mad. I was just like, this is incredible. Anyway, I moved up at the right time, and I got in a little move with Hamish Shores and uh, Andy Hagen. It was three of us, and I was like, 
got away, got away, got away. And I looked back, the bunch, you know, set up, and I was like, oh my god, I'm in the break. You know what I mean? I was like, please, TV cameras come, come. And they me. did. Yeah, they did. They did. But so you got the TV camera yeah, 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 yeah. South and Queen stage, Tiana. Yeah, yeah. But the problem Black was, mouth. yeah, the problem was though, um, Zinovich, uh, oh, Oh, Van Uden come across another, and then it was, Van Uden, it was yep. too dangerous because of those guys. So anyway, I got shut down. I was like, no, 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 my dream's over. You know, all I wanted to do is get in the break, and then you know, just do my best. And then um, it was full gas for a little bit, and then uh, a few guys went and got away. And then uh, Hayden's had me doing these mean as these interval things, and um, and I just went and got across to it. Pretty, it was hard, obviously, but and I got across to it. And then I was like, look back, and I was like. Holy shite, I'm away and I'm in the break. Please TV cameras come, you know what I mean? I was like, I want to be on Sky, I want, you know what I mean? And then uh, in there, I was looking around at these guys that I was riding with and I was like, holy crap. You know, I'm, I'm in here, the, I've arrived. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what I was sending myself. I'm getting dropped in 2011. Mate, I came dead last in Southland. My first Southland three years ago, every stage I was getting dropped. This is, I, kidding, I kid you not. Like once, I think the, the Crown Range stage, I got dropped within 10Ks. I did the 160Ks with like three others. Hmm. Like, there's no joke. And then the day before that was the same. The day before that, like, the mental, like, the pride, the ego was this, just was, damaged. It was, it was shocking, you know? And I, and I knew that, that, that gave me drive. That gave me passion. I just wanted to, I wanted to be one of those guys. That could and then you win the, the break. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? And, mate, that was epic. I was like, hold, then it became a game of chess. Like, okay, everyone worked together. And I'm, like, to be honest, I'm pretty disappointed about how it ended because, like, you know, I got myself in that position. I got third, but you didn't believe that you could probably win it. No, nah, well, no, nah, no. Nah, I, was, I was doing the positive talking. I, I just made a sh- stupid call at the end, and the better guy won anyway. He won the race, you know. From criminal to elite cyclist, Rion Nolan is my guest. We'll take a break and come back with more. Mark Watson, the Night Train Radio Sport. One of New Zealand's best cyclists is my guest. His name is Rion Nolan. What makes his story so remarkable? is that for much of his life, he was in and out of jail. He was a hardened criminal, but he turned his life around through the sport of cycling. Rion, we discussed earlier in this interview you taking part in your first Canterbury Championships where you finished last. The following year, you won it. Tell us about that amazing day. Mate, straight up, it was... Oh, I was crying. I, I, I could not believe it. And because what happened in the race as well, it was so like... I was... I, was, I, I trusted about maybe eight or nine guys that I was with and there was a break up the road with a few a few like guys in it and I, I trusted that the race was 170 k's that they were going to die and I was like should I go with them no no and I trust it just worked everything you know and then a couple of guys bonked and cracked or whatever and then then I just crossed the line and won the little sprint thing you know what I mean and like like mate it's not the Olympics or Com Games or like the Southland but that moment there Rion was a uh, a sick person back in the day in jail in a cell for years and doing that stuff. But now, Rion's under his name on this trophy was Rion Nolan Canterbury champion. And like, I imagine guys like Brian Fowler and some yeah, of the mate, greats you know of cycling I mean? have been on that yeah. trophy. Oh, eh? for sure, for sure. Like, mate, and I, I, I was just like, whoa. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, and everyone else, oh, that's not a meaningful mm. thing. But straight up for me, I don't even care what anyone mm. says because for real, that, that just, that just struck me hard, you know? If your dad was still around, I mean, for people who have just joined us, Rion's dad was uh, murdered when Rion was just 13 years of age. What would he think of all of this? Oh, I don't, I don't know, but like, that's what I thought about. I was like, you know, if I wish, like, I wish those people could see what I've done now, like this, this, this thing here. Like, I wish those people that can't be here, um, y- you know, were here to see, like, I, I, I'll be honest, I felt like I was a success finally. I, you know, it, I'm doing good, I'm doing okay, and with all this hard work leading into it, you know, 
I'm I'm doing right. I'm doing okay, and good things do happen if you work hard for them, you know. Like, because I still have bad self-esteem and all that kind of carry on, you know. But that stuff lifts, lifts it up, you know. Yeah, and what about the bad days on the bike? How do you handle that? Oh, I mean, sport is full of it. I mean, we only yeah. ever hear about people's wins, but I mean, Hamish Carter, I know Hamish well, and you know, you hear about the 11 or 12 World Cups and the Olympic Games. The guy raced in more than 300 triathlons. You don't yeah. hear about the other 100 and, you know, yeah. 200 and odd races that yeah, he did yeah. do because there were a lot of failures in there. I mean, how yeah. do you deal with the bad days? Mate, I get frustrated hard. Do you? Like, yeah, it's like, um, like, how do you channel that frustration though now? I mean, imagine back in your day, you channeled it by yeah. punching somebody in the head or going, yeah. Well, I still get pretty angry sometimes. You know, like, I still get quite frustrated with people and stuff like that. But the main thing is, like, there's no, if I get, like, raced out of a race or I go off the wrong move or I don't go off the move and that, you know, that kind of stuff there, there's no point getting angry. I need to learn from it. I need to watch these people, how they're riding. Are they tired? Who's strong? Who's not? Who's been training properly? Who's trying to target events down the line? You know, it's, it's like a mean game of chess and you've mm, got to be in the is. game. You know, like, I still don't understand it and I probably never will, but I'm, I'm slowly learning. You know what I mean? And like the right tactical move um, can pay off big time. You know what I mean? Because you could be this is what this is my belief anyway. You could be with the best riders, and and then I'd be there, just little Rion. Yeah, but you've got a great story to tell, Rion, and I do encourage you to go out there and share your story and, and try and encourage people because I think that's what people probably you know see in you now yeah. that you you are an inspiration to others and you can do the talking on your bike, but you can also just do the talking off the bike. And is mm. it something that you think about doing? Is it something that you do do? Yeah, I, I, I start off going and talk to schools and stuff, to like the, the classes that have got the kids that are bad kids, you know, that have been kicked out of every class. So I started doing that. Um, I do a lot of stuff like that. Um, it's just like all about, you got to go, now, see, I work Monday to Friday now. I used to work three days a week. And that's like, that's why Hayden's been so good, because he's like, no, nah, no, nah, you can actually have a job and I can still train you to go, you know, to race at a pretty good level. And that's what I've been amazed with. I go to work Monday to Friday, you know, I've got training fits around that. Um, and I can still race hard. And to be honest, he's made me go better with less riding. It's 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 unbelievable, just with a lot of torture and suffering. But that's what you got to do, you know. But I, you know, I like telling my story. But I, I me personally, I get a bit sick of it. But you know, because I tell it. But um, mate, there's so much to tell. If I could tell you some crazy stories, it would take you know like a long. It's just crazy. But what I do like getting out of it is that I hope that I show the public that you know what you could if you've got someone in your life that's struggling or. You know, like not doing well in life, you could be that person to help change them, to put a bit of belief in them and back them and support them and encourage them and, you know what I mean, not be another negative person in that person's life. Just to try that, because the life I'm living now is is crazy compared to that life I was living, because I had all those people trying to help me, you know. Well, Rio Nolan, we have run out of time. I could spend another hour sitting here talking to you about your remarkable life and how you've turned it around through the sport of cycling. I just want to mention that recently Rion won another Canterbury Cycling Championships. He also did incredibly well at the Tour de Lakes in the South Island. He won the Sprint Ace jersey. He won the King of the Mountains. He picked up a couple of stage wins. Rion, I look forward to following your cycling career. Congratulations. You're an inspiration to so many people. Well done. Thank you very much, Wilson.